And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is back in session, here for another guest speaker episode at AOA Studios. If you're an artist, podcaster, or content creator of any kind, make sure you hit us up at aoastudios.org to book your session or service today. We offer a plethora of services, including mixing and mastering, audio recording, podcasting, videography, photography, the list kind of goes on and on. And I'm joined today by a very special guest. He is an artist from the Boston area, originally from Texas, is that correct? Yes, sir, and yes, sir. now has been residing up in uh, the Boston area for last you know decade and a half or so, maybe roughly a little less. Uh, none other than Dom Dior joining the show. That's good, everybody. Appreciate you having me, sir. For real, for real. Pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. Um, so we met really in a cool, organic way, mm-hmm. which was, I thought, it was my favorite way to meet people in the scene. Um, you know, DMs are cool. Like, you know, if you want to be on the show or, you know, got a bit of a wait list, truthfully, but if you want to, you know, you want to work or whatever, DMs are always fine or emails, right? Just be a little professional about it. But I always love meeting people in person. I mm. feel like that you just get the person's energy right away. And we met at uh, Friend Street, exactly. which unfortunately just recently closed up and Rest finished in power. up. Rest in power. <laughs> Rest in power. Absolutely. Uh, but it was like a cool networking experience, and shout out to Artie and Sasa and everybody that was doing great things at French yeah, Street. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, met you there, and we really—I feel like we really hit it off. So, um, and then you had this—you know—this new body of work, which we'll talk about pretty soon. Mm-hmm. A new EP that just dropped, and it just—yeah, timing's right. Just felt like it was good to have you on. It was good, good energy, and so I'm happy to have you, man. No, absolutely. I, I tend to think of myself as a pretty good judge of character. Yeah, um, likewise. And appreciate you. Yeah, we have for sure, for sure, definitely, we'll recognize. Um, and yeah, I, I'm always. I, I, DMs are are cool. Emails are cool. Meeting in person is nothing. Is nothing like that. Like getting introduced, getting the ball rolling as soon as you like make face contact with that person is like you know, it's nothing like that. Because then you really see. It's easy to um to fake the funk in DMs. It's easy to seem a lot cooler than you are. Yeah. Sound a lot cooler. Um, but it's also a lot easier to fuck up too and say the wrong thing because like <laughs> yeah. it's a lot easier to correct yourself in the person. But. Right, right. No, I, th- I feel like we really hit it off and we were having a good conversation. And I was like, yeah, we got to translate this to a podcast. So lots to talk about with you, man. You're doing amazing things. Um, I love what you stand for in a lot of different areas. And it's just you as a person. You seem like quite a light. And uh, I appreciated, you know, like I said, meeting you and, and then seeing you around uh, the scene since. But uh, so this is the main, uh, sorry, excuse me. This is the objective. Mm-hmm. And that's the first segment of the show where we get to know a little bit about you and your background. Right. So I want to bring it back, obviously, to you moving to Massachusetts when you were around like 10 or 11 is that correct yeah right just before i turned 10 gotcha and um you were f- living in texas at the time mm. and you moved out here and you grew up in from there you grew up at what in wellesley correct yeah so i actually I had an interesting journey so I, I grew up in texas but um when i was uh when i was three i moved into i moved to san diego california oh wow okay because um, my mother went to ucsd to finish her um her schooling mm-hmm. um and then when i was like just before i turned 10 my, my mother graduated Got a job at Wellesley College, so we packed everything up. We had three cats, it was me and my sister. We all got in the car, zoomed all the way up here. Wow. Borderline of a nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> oh, my God. Just driving cross-country with two young children, pets, like, your whole life. In a, like that's, it's, it's a lot. It's I mean, a lot. It's yeah. a lot to move down the street, let alone no, exactly. across the country. And I, I will say, we, we had, um, 
I say I still grew up in Texas because every long weekend, every school vacation, every summer vacation, hopped in the car, nine hour drive from San Diego to El Paso. Gotcha. Uh, El Paso was where I'm from and stuff. So like Amazing. that that was a very being in a car was very very easy for me at a young age. But that drive was still because we drew like dead ass. There's no plane rides. No, we hopped in a car from San Diego all the way up to fucking to Wellesley. It's insane, man. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you were, you know you just took quite the train ride to get over here, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so now that I'm hearing this context, yeah, like you're you're just good with transportation at this point. Like it's just you're used to it. It's one of those things where I move. <laughs> I'm good with moving. You're good. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that. So talk to me a little bit about that, like that transition, right? For you being, you know, you growing up, like you being, you know, very comfortable in Texas and in San Diego and then coming to the East Coast where, you know, again, you were younger, but never really having a lot of experience with the East Coast. Like talk to me a little bit about what that transition was like. I know you said it was like a long, you know, obviously a long journey, but if you can give me any sort of context or details, I would love that. And then I know you started creating music when you were around 13 or 14. So, and we had a conversation actually at French street off air. And I think we both agreed like where we grew up, you Wellesley, me Danvers. It's not that we didn't meet great people in those towns, but I think we both have agreed. Like we don't feel like we ever truly fit in there. And so I'm wondering for you, like was the music side getting into it at that point, kind of like a good outlet for you so kind of take me through like that journey from being like around 10 moving up here and then till right around the time you started making music i'm curious to like if you can kind of give no, me sure. give me you know, paint that picture for me absolutely not like travel like being obviously when i was a kid it was a lot harder because like you're getting uprooted every few few years mm-hmm. um even like even when i made it to wellesley it was only for like a handful of years and then i moved directly into boston like i live in i live right in like Middle Boston now. I'm not gonna say specifically where. Obviously. Yeah, that's, that's all right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Boston, and um, aside from like all like me growing up in Wellesley, you know what it's like, bro. Like um, when I first got here, I was the new kid. Mm-hmm. I was the chubby kid. I was the kid with long hair. I was the kid with glasses, and I was the Mexican kid. So like I had a lot, and like feature like big lips, big nose, bit like wide ears, certain things that I can't I can't like hide. Um, Especially it being in a place like Wellesley, which I mean, I only know a handful of people from Wellesley. And I don't want to like you know stereotype the whole town, mm-hmm. but it's you know predominantly white. It's a little bit more su- it's more <laughs> suburban, right? It's just it's it's a little bit different than it's completely different. Yeah. So when I was growing up in Texas, I grew up in the northeast side with my 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 mama, my tia. Um, my tia grew up directly across the street from oh, wow. um, lived across the street from my, my abuelo. Um, those two houses they had had for like. Ever since they came to, me- to from Mexico to the U.S., because mm-hmm. um, my mom moved from Mexico when she was like, when she was a kid, mm-hmm. um, and they stayed in the same two houses the whole time. But, um, but like, yeah, I started making, I started like writing and messing around with stuff when I was like 11, 12. Um, and then right when I was twelve, my cousins uh, on my on my um, father's side, I went over to theirs, um, and they were just rapping. And like, I had been listening to a few of their mixtapes. Um, and they were they were doing things that like, uh, like just I, w- I was a little confused. I was like so fascinated by because they were making remixes a song that I, I'd already heard. So they were doing remixes to like Lil Wayne and Birdman, um, like a bunch of, just a bunch of different like songs I was growing up on. And to me, it was always like, damn, like that's so crazy. Like you could do that. Um, and then on top of that, like rap is so cool, bro. Like you can say anything, and if like you're good at it and it's natural. You could say the dumbest shit ever and have it make it sound like it was like Aristotle or something, dude. Like, it's so cool. And when I was watching my cousins do that, 
like the things that we're saying weren't necessarily the greatest things, but the way they said it, like maybe buy into it. So when I first started with music, was a rap that they wrote for me that I had no business talking about. You know, it was like, <laughs> it's like I, I talked about this on uh, I forget who I talked about this with too, but it was just like, yeah, I was talking about like weed drinking. Uh, I was like smoke by the pound, drink by the ounce, da 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 da. Um, doing shows, getting money. Twelve you're years. Like, you're old. like twelve years old. No, I was like, <laughs> like no concept of this. <laughs> nothing of any. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but then, uh, but because I had such a frequent like interaction from San Diego to, to Texas, like I was around so much diversity, so many people. Um, but it was like a specific type of diversity. So I was around like a lot, of, like especially in Texas, it was like specifically Black Americans, Black Southern Americans, making mm-hmm. Latinos. It was almost exclusively Mexicans. Um, and you had like white Southerners, um, you had a bunch of Asian folks too, but predominantly it was black Southerners and Mexicans I was around. Um, and then when I went to San Diego, it was even more diverse, but still similar demographics. It was almost exclusively Mexicans when it came to Latinos. Well, it's just so close to the border. Exactly. There, especially. I mean, it's, exactly. It's, it's literally right there. So. El Paso was literally a border town with Juarez. Right, like, right. There's an invisible border half. There's an invisible fence half the time. Sure. And then San Diego is Tijuana, California, right there. It's right there. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Right. So they're both right there. Yeah. Exactly. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd always been around people who looked like me, but also didn't look like me, who sounded like me, but also didn't sound like me. So that like really established, I'm like, yo, like, I understand people in a way that I don't think a lot of other people would if they weren't like headfirst in these diverse environments. However, when I moved up here, the diversity almost exploded um, in like a different sense because it was same, I guess, like racial groups. Um, but it was like with like black folks, it was Haitians. Like, like I, I could name a million different eth- like black ethnic groups centralized in Boston. Absolutely. Same thing with like Latinos. It was. You got South, like predominantly Mech, like the Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. You got Salvadorians, Guatemalans. Yeah, um, a lot of huge Brazilian population as well. Port- Brazilian, Portuguese, Portuguese yeah, um, Cape Verdeans, fucking, uh, and even with, with like white people, you have like a lot of strong white ethnic groups. You got Irish folks, uh, Irish Americans, Italian Americans, mm-hmm. Polish Americans. Like it's a lot, obviously, because like Boston's a port city. Like it's so much more immigrants coming in. Mm-hmm. And Boston is an immigrant city for since its inception of course um so seeing that also really opened my eyes to like yo there's so many new perspectives that like are passing me by at a like million miles per hour yeah um so it like it just really encouraged me to always keep my eyes open and my ears engaged um because there's just so much i could learn from like every time i like speak about some shit that i went through with folks a lot of it has to do with like they pick up on the perspective and it's like oh i'm seeing it from a new angle now and it's simply because, like, I grew up in different environments. Like, I'm able to see a lot of nuances that get lost in people who um, didn't have the privilege of doing that. Sure. No, that makes total sense. And I think your outlook on that is really, I, I think, awesome because you're right. Like, you could see yourself, being at that age, you could see yourself as like, oh, this is not, you know, quite what I remember it being in Texas and in, and in California, specifically El Paso and, and, and San Diego and, like, taking almost a pessimistic view about it instead you were more like along the lines of like well this is like almost like a new opportunity for me to like learn mm-hmm. new cultures and all of that so and and yeah and the way you, you just said that very eloquently so I, I really appreciate all of that in that context and then did you decide like when you got up here like i was gonna lean more into rapping when you because naturally you had gotten a little bit older at that point right. so i know it was 13 14 ish like in that range where you yeah. started just kind of like 
really explore it a lot more? Uh, so I, I've had a lot of phases with rap um, because similar similar to like my understanding of my new perspective, like it took me a while to not be pessimistic. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. It took okay, me absolutely fair. like, but of course, like I was a kid. Like there's certain things that you can't control as a kid. Like your emotions are gonna go off haywire. Of course. When you when you're uprooted so many times so frequently, it's really hard to see the perspective from my mom's. Like from her perspective, it's like yeah, we're we're moving a lot, but every time we move, we're moving to a better situation. Mm. Like Northeast El Paso used to be called like the Devil's Triangle or something because there was like within a 12 mile radius there was like an uncountable amount of gangs. Then we moved to San Diego. Lot Calmer, we're still on campus housing. Lot Calmer, move out to Wellesley. Again, still on campus housing, so we're on subsidized housing. But I'm surround. I'm in a suburb. Right. Move directly right. into Boston, like, and I say this to my mother every like every chance I get. Like, moving us directly into Boston was like one of the biggest and most important things that she could have done for my my growth as a person, mm. because it took me away from the suburbs and took me away from having to feel like I was like drowning in in whiteness drowning in like people who didn't understand me and like mm. bullied me like yeah. it took me getting into fights like actively to stop being like bullied getting talked about uh, i was still talked about a lot but never to my face after after those fights happened um but when it came to the music i poured i i messed around a lot when i was like in eighth and seventh grade because that's right when my cousins was getting me getting me going um and then I stopped because um I don't know, I just like I got into different things. I was I was a high school student. Um I started doing football, I started doing track, doing sports and stuff. I had a little less time and a lot less focus. because um, I was also really trying to focus on what is the best way for me to continually fit in mm. with these students and mm. these peers. Because um, Wellesley has a handful of of Latinos and black students, but a majority like it's like a better word, like just to give you one example of what it was like being there, there was a, a section in the cafeteria where all the kids of color would sit, specifically the Meco students. Yeah. Um, and they would call it Cafrica. Like the entire student body, like to the point where faculty would offhandedly mention it. But I always heard them mention it. They would catch themselves obviously in the moment and like kiki, but like 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 yeah, it's crazy. Like it's crazy to say, especially since considering that a lot of those Meco students probably weren't even well actually i know for a fact a lot of them weren't african like right like like, like obviously we all come from africa african-americans but like you know what i mean a lot of them were were caribbeans were like other other black ethnic groups sure but because you know of of like racism stereotypes all that definitely so for a while my focus was really on like yo how do i fit in how do i make it so i don't feel like like a pariah or was it yeah pariah no pro yeah social pariah Pharaoh and pariah Mm-hmm. Um, how do I make it so that I don't feel like I want to like kill myself every other day like mm-hmm. on some real shit um, but then like music started coming back because I had actually had access to studio equipment um, the school had a studio and that's when I was like alright I could actually like you know think about pouring my emotions into something that's not just like a sport yeah. because sports are great but it's only it's an endorphin release like I could I could run my head straight into somebody a million times, and in the moment I'll feel great, I'll feel that release. But I go home, not even thinking about the concussion I just got, but thinking about oh, now I still have to deal with these emotions because I didn't actually deal with them. Versus music, I can literally just pour my heart out on this track and forget about it, or like 
not forget about it, but just keep listening back to it and like process through what I was going through. So I was, I was like, I, it was just, it just, it, it did a lot for me. Uh, not being, not being actively in therapy, not being actively supported outside of like my mother, um, and like that. That's when I really started taking music like to my heart. Um, but I still had the issue of trying to figure out who I was within my own music and who I was in real life. Um, so when I got to college, I actually, uh, I almost, I quit almost to my sophomore year um, because I just wasn't like. One of the biggest problems I had was that because I was such like my mother made me read so frequently as a kid that I was like an avid reader. Like I was like there was me and my cousins used to have to do fucking book reports in summer. Like we would go to the library in El Paso, check out a handful of books we wanted to read and write book reports like great. There goes my summer. <laughs> but um, because of that, like I, I had such like an engaging like sense of like oh, such a desire to read and like garner words. Um mm-hmm. And my mother definitely instilled that with me too. But um, with that comes like a larger vocabulary that I didn't actually know how to properly say, mm-hmm. but also like enunciate more than anything. Like I would be writing my lyrics and then I would start thinking, all right, how does this gonna sound? And like, I was trying to, I was obviously matching the, the beat. Well, the issue I had was that I was envisioning my favorite rappers rapping. I was envisioning Joey Badass half the time rapping my lyrics. Which, if he was rapping my lyrics, it's a classic album, in my opinion. I'm going to be honest. Even as a high school student, if Joey was rapping my raps, classic album, because he's a classic rapper. Um, but I'm not Joey Badass. I'm not no Kendrick Lamar. So it took me a really long time to figure out what my voice was and what I wanted to do with my music. And I quit for a little while because um, I just couldn't find it. Like, I got into a relationship my freshman year that, like, sidelined basically everything I was doing. So I lost complete focus about it. And then when I came back to music, uh, I was just like, like, you don't lose your game, but if you don't have game to begin with, it's a little bit hard to to, to get the shots back up. Like totally. if you never properly learn how to shoot, you come back to shoot for the first game, like you won't have issues. So I had to like really relearn, not even relearn, just like learn what I wanted to sound like. Um, and it wasn't until my like going into my second semester, my sophomore year, um, where I was like, I'm gonna do music for forever. And that was because um, my brother Tomo, um, shout out Prava pa, Tomo, KOBK617 on IG. We got it right here, we got it right here, we got it right here. Oh, actually, I lost it. We had it right there. But um, yeah, shout out CBT, shout out Tomo. Tomo was one of the reasons why I started, was honestly the reason I started doing music again because I finally made a song that I sounded good on to myself. Like, I had other people saying, like, oh, this is gas, this is tough, this is tough. But it was the first time I bought into my own my own voice. And I was like, yo, I could do this. And then he he hopped on the song with me and, like, really completed it. And then I had another song, um, like, a few weeks later that we did called Back On My Bullshit. Um, and it was, again, it was like, yo, like, I've never sounded this cool on a song before. Like, it was just so natural. And... Same thing with Tomo's an incredible rapper, so he hasn't had to. I, he I don't know like if he's had to deal with it when when he first started, but ever since I can remember, Tomo has sounded cool as fuck on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that I was finally like, I almost like he like he put a battery in my in my in my pack like yeah. crazy like crazy. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we did those two songs, I was like, yo, this is it. This is gonna be my life. And then like a few months later, uh, like. I had a conversation with him because he already had established KOBK and shit. So KOBK at that time already was like a handful of folks. You had like 
uh, Birdo, Lari, Cruway, uh, Shada, Rock, Rocka, and um, and and Lil, um, already established and shit, and Yves too. And so we had a conversation um, at the time, and it was actually for I was talking about it for me and my brother Vino too, because me and him got real close, um, and we were all mind you, we all met at UMass Law. All of us, all of us was from UMass Law, um, and so that's how it was just so easy to just like link up, mm-hmm. go straight to the dorm and start cooking up. We would we would literally like, uh, it, it was like the greatest setup I can ever imagine. We would, like, cause we were in the ICC and this is a hotel room. We had a whole, like they had a hotel room for dorms. So we would record, roll up. We you know we'd, we'd wait for Tomo to make the beat, listen to the beat, roll up, go into the bathroom, spark up, <laughs> play the beat over and over again, go out, record our verses, Roll out while everybody's recording. Go back to the bathroom. Spark everything up, and like so, there'd be times where we'd be like like fifteen deep in that bathroom just because we just had so many people coming through. <laughs> we used to do the same shit when I was in like college. Yeah, bro, that's what you got to do. We weren't bro. making music, but like you guys, but we was getting elevated. We had the same situation where there was uh, three not to cut you off, but three guys I lived with that uh, yeah we uh, we were in like a suite style like almost like apartment, gotcha. and uh, but we still had like you know. Um, what do they call them? Uh, RAs and different things like that. So yeah, yeah we were we were in like a very end of the hallway in the corner room, and uh, yeah, that was that was college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for no, sure. Sounds about right. No, so, we was definitely that's awesome. Enemy number one for the RAs. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna get too into it, um, but there were certain things I was I was doing that one of the RAs like was trying to literally set me up. Oh shit! Like into the point where like they texted me from another number, trying to get me to do a play on campus oh. and I was like you're nah, nah like I can look up your number we, on snap yeah. on snap right now or cash up like, yeah we had a uh, we had a really cool RA I'll put it that way she was like I didn't see nothing or I didn't see I, I didn't. wasn't even my RA is the thing my <laughs> that's, that's RA wild. my RA was my dog this girl this girl Jean Marie shout out Jean Marie um, my dog all all throughout my school um, she was the homie for real yeah. and then I, there was a bunch of RAs it was just I don't know. There's always that one, always, right? Yeah. That was like, you know, give a little bit of authority and they just kind of go too, too far It really with it. just was one. Yeah. The it's RA always just staff one. staff in the, my building was cool It's, always, it's always just one. Um, um, but I, I love, th- I mean, thank you so much for all of that context because that's really, I think it really just paint the picture exactly of like your journey to get to the, to, to, for you to honestly get to this point. And, you know, every sort of step of the way, whether it be, you know, the, the emotional kind of trauma and turmoil that you dealt with and um i wanted to make a, one quick point too about something you had said earlier about sort of the kafrica type thing and unfortunately that i hate to say it but like in a lot of suburbs that had meco programs or like suburbs that were more predominantly white and had a a, a smaller um subset of you know latinx or black or whatever you know whatever um uh, ethnic groups uh, minority groups that unfortunately was something that you would see a lot of in mm. in a lot of suburban and maybe it's just a massive i'm sure it's not just massachusetts but um you know i i heard many people uh more so in college because uh, you know you you're in your own little bubble i grew up in one town so it's like you 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 don't really understand until you branch out and meet more people but that's a sentiment i heard a lot especially as i met more people of different races and ethnicities and all of that and it's it's a shame that that the, even like the faculty would like kind of play a part in that, that absolutely Not as, even, as, as a teacher of, yeah. that really 
bothers me a oh, lot. Absolutely. Like really, really does. Like to my core. Like you saying that, I'm like, I'm just picturing myself in that situation of like, I, I can't, I can't fathom, like actually. And this doesn't make me like you know holier than thou or anything like that. But oh. I just can't picture, like subscribing to that as a even even as a student as a teacher or as right. a teacher we my high school was so white we didn't even have that because we didn't have really any minority groups at all mm-hmm. we had maybe one or two i'm not kidding i graduated with two black kids that's fucking crazy. i'm I mean, not joking look like wellesley wasn't far off from two we was we was dead. like my graduating class i don't think there was more than like 20 20 or 30 kids of color if yeah. at, at most and i might be i'm not gonna lie yeah. that 30 number might be an exaggeration yeah 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 it's um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know it's it's crazy. Like when I went to Framingham State, like same thing. Like I just I just it was opened my eyes to like, oh my god! Like I was meeting all these different people, and all these different people were having like all these different experiences that I had ever had. And I like I just ate that shit up, man. Like I, I think the diversity piece is so important. Like it just is so it gives you so much perspective. And I know, like you said, moving around it's tough and. I only lived in Mass, but I moved around a lot as well. Um, growing up, just, you know, single mom household, kind of same thing. Like just, just one of those situations. And the amount of moving every time I move, I've moved probably 10, 10 or eleven times in the last probably fifteen years of my life, and it's a lot every time. But every time I have a new experience living somewhere different, I feel like I gain so much from that. Like I, Absolutely. I. I, I Absolutely. It's interesting. Like, there's pros and cons to like setting roots somewhere and having that be your home, mm-hmm. like your forever home, rather. But there's also like an added benefit to just traveling around and having different experiences and learning about just just learning by sort of environment, truthfully. And like they say, like you know, traveling is a huge, you know, it's 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 a it's a great teacher when no, you when you, when you travel and you agree. learn about different people's perspectives and experiences like that's important and you have it's like it's not even like oh i'm going like you have to yeah like, if you're like you're forced really, to you like there's no choice no there's no choice when you're traveling like i was just in portugal recently and it's like yeah it's it's a different lifestyle and Absolutely. i'm going to like embrace that learn that and just enjoy and like enjoy it for what it is and also like walk away from that like feeling like okay like i'm either grateful for this whether it's like this situation i have in my life or like grateful to have learned this new or experience or thing about a certain culture that I didn't know about before. And that's why I loved, I loved teaching when I taught in the city, um, the high school I taught at when I first was got my first teaching job, uh, apparently 70 different languages in the high school I taught at. Can't even name 70 different. Right. I know. That's that's beautiful though. For real. That didn't even feel real. I know that number doesn't even feel, I'm like, is there really that many (laughs) (laughs) languages to to learn? But like, but right, as you said, right, it's like, there's that melting pot aspect. And I think that in some regard, that is really beneficial. So, I mean, and then the last piece of it, I want to talk about with you, um, something you mentioned about the book, like being an avid reader, like I, what an added benefit probably you're seeing. And probably then you're like, what the fuck this sucks. Mm -hmm. Right. But as an adult and as a rapper and as a, as an artist, who writes songs, it's like, that is what, a, what a tool in your tool belt to have, not only just from a being able to write and have that vocabulary, mm-hmm. but reading comprehension. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's really important to be able to comprehend what you are reading, no matter what you're reading, whether Absolutely. it's, or what it, what, whatever you're interpreting. Right. So t- what an added benefit to have for you that maybe was unintentional from your mom, but I'm sure in some way, shape or form, she's like, 
he is going to learn how to read and write, and that's going to help him in some way, shape, or form yeah, when he's an adult. So I think that, you know, big shout out to mom. I'm sure. Big shout out to my mother. My mother had a mission to make sure that I wasn't like any of the men that she grew up around. I love that. I like, think, I, likewise, same. You know, exactly. And, and like, it's, yeah. it's an unfortunate truth, but like, there's so much like, obviously the word toxic is like a, like a trendy word that people throw sure. out, but there's, there's so much toxicity within multiple communities, specifically like the Mexican community when it comes to men, mm. like the machismo, mm. like the, the, like uh, the complete disregard for just a lot of things, like including women. Like it's just, Every culture has it. Like like women in every culture, like especially in Western countries, are are treated like terribly, and it's like uh, it's understood that it's just gonna happen. My mother was like, I don't want him to do that. Like even when she was raising me and my sister, she went out of her way to make sure that like our treatment was as equal as possible. Cause she grew up with two other sisters, and one one son, one one um brother, and like her like brother got away with everything. Like do he you know. Like, not gonna get too deep into his history, but like he, like he was, he was, he was banging, like he was, he was slaying, he was doing shit that like you would think a parent would really want to discipline you for, and like there were so many things he didn't get disciplined for until like it became horrific. Versus, yo, my mother just she didn't do her chores properly. It was raps. It was hands on deck. Feel me? Mm -hmm. Um, but like. For real, it, it just the reading comprehension is so big because I don't think people realize how difficult reading comprehension is, of course. especially when you're learning it later in the game. Like I, obviously, there's a lot of intersecting things that I had to deal with, a lot of trauma, a lot of adversity as myself. But like, I come from a lot of privilege, and I'm so enough privilege that I'm able to realize the privilege that I have. And like be self aware because self awareness in, its, in itself is a privilege too. Of course. So like the fact that I was able, like bro, I was reading The Hobbit when I was in elementary school. That's in, that's amazing. I read like, I read for, Ender's for Game. Real. I read Ender's Game when I was in fifth grade. Damn. And wow. Not even on some like flipping the pages because I there were definitely some books I was flipping the pages. You know, all the Harry <laughs> Potter books. I was like, no, yeah, Harry Potter. I wasn't really reading Harry Potter, but like, I. I I opened up Ender's, Ender's Game and I would have full-on conversations with my family about it because, like, that's what we was doing. Yeah. Um, and even when it came to how I was, like, disciplined, my mother didn't raise her hands on me. Feel me? Like, she did her best to, like, like discipline me in a way that wasn't punitive. Mm. So by the time I got older, like, it would, like, obviously, still as a kid, I'm like, damn, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Like, moving again and again, it sucks. But, like, because she gave me so many tools, I was able to understand things that, like, I wouldn't have understood at all. Like, colorism, bro. Like, if I grew up in a homogenous place, I wouldn't have understood colorism. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, went to, I recently traveled to, to Chicago, um, and I spent some time in Pilsen. Which is, Pilsen is majority Mexican neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. Like, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Like, I was almost brought to tears by a plate of tamales and frijoles, bro. Like, that's how good it was. And that's how, like far and disconnected from my culture I was um and like while I really like part of me really wishes I could have stayed around a more like centralized Mexican area like a Texas California I also really appreciate my mother for still taking us out here because I wouldn't have been able to understand things like like colorism because even when I was in high school if you was an other you was an other I didn't really understand colorism outside of a book until I got to college where I've seen it real time 
because like obviously the the kids who were darker toned than me had a much harder experience than I did but because my experience was so difficult like it was just like yo we're all just in this and we're all just getting shitted on but because I was reading shit like the Hesse Coates I was understanding like yo there's levels to this shit like like and I have to be able to understand that like in order for me to gain my own freedom and liberation whether it be like socially, economically, like like in any sense of the form, I have to be willing to understand that there's a million people right behind me who are equally, if not more, dis- not equally, are significantly more disenfranchised than me. Right. And I'm only going to get my said liberation if I ensure that liberation. Hmm. So like that, Damn. that changed that, like reading and having my mother in my life like that completely. Like, yeah. like I said, I could, I could complain about the shit that I went through for hours and hours and hours to the point where I could be almost brought to tears about like this shit. And I, I would bring the people, I would like, people would hear me and be brought to tears about the shit that I had to live through, whether it be the violence I had to live through, whether it be like the emotional violence and uncivility I had to live through. But all of that was completely worth it because like, as traumatized as I am, bro, like my, my mother gave me the tools to build my empire. Absolutely. No. And I, 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 I can't speak. I mean, not. not I, I. I don't like comparing, you know, experiences unless it's just like. I mean, it's drastic, right? Unless you are, you know, living in some mega mansion somewhere. But even then, like, you know, that's that old saying: money, more, more money, more problems, right? Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's like you said, there's levels to this, and there's different in perspective, and just everybody kind of has their traumas and their own problems but it's just obviously highlighted and there's just different levels to it so i i mean i can't relate to a lot of the things you're speaking about from the context of obviously being a mexican-american like that's not my reality and you know being discriminated against because you're mexican like i i don't have that reality either the reality i do have though of you is just growing up with a single mom and the power of single women like single mothers especially like huge shout out to any single parent especially big shout out to mothers mothers worldwide yeah especially single moms because i mean they're they're superheroes they like really are they're playing both roles they're trying especially a single mother raising boys is Mm -hmm. is really important because you know they helped shape like you said like shape how we treat other men other women like how we sort of like maybe are a little bit more in touch with our emotional um like intelligence right and all that i think i think that all absolutely and i think what you and i really i think energy wise i think that's why we connected so much i didn't really know you like grew up in a sit with a single mom Mm -hmm. but now it's like i almost could feel that energy from you in a way if that makes sense because like i have that same perspective as well so it's like i feel like that i don't know it's just I, it's like this it, weird thing i can't even quite like put my it's, it's again tongue like, on in words real like, real. Like, yeah real. yeah like, i will say my mother did have partners growing up and they did help her raise me i remember when i was in eighth grade um not seventh grade she started dating um this woman who had been there for like eight years mm-hmm. um that they did they did a lot of um uh I'm very, I have a lot of disdain for them. Still somewhat thankful because they created a really unique perspective for me. Sure, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it was always my mother. My mother was always the one putting the putting the tools in my hand. Yeah, it starts and stops with her, right? And, and, and you know, with any sort of, I mean, my mom had, you know, different partners throughout 
you know, my childhood as well. And my dad was kind of in and out of the picture more, more out, more out than in, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to say, you know, cause I, like I like you said, like I grew up in a, in a, um, in a suburb where, you know, there wasn't a lot of families of divorce. There wasn't a lot of families with single parents. It's mm-hmm. everybody kind of, every kid I grew up with had both parents around and both, you know, all these things. And I used to ask all the time, like, why me? Why me? And I used to kind of have that like outlook about it, like kind of similar, but I was young. I was 13, 14 years old. I probably didn't know much better. And I think I look back now and while it's, it was difficult, I wouldn't trade it because I, I gained that perspective and it's really done me a lot of good in my adult life, even though it's like, I do have to still work through those traumas and the different things that I went through like all the time. You'd almost rather that than not have it at all. Absolutely. You know? No, absolutely. Cause then it just made, I feel like it's made, I'm going to speak for you, but it's like it made us better people. Like, and, and it made us more thoughtful and a little bit more intentional and maybe a little bit more, like I said, like um, we have like a more, uh, a grasp on our like emotional and our emotions really right because mm-hmm. that's you know it's a hard thing with you know men's mental health like men just not feeling like they can come out and speak about you know what they're struggling with and right. i don't think i ever really had that issue you know as much just because i grew up with you know a mom that you know was emotional when she had to be and like sort of instilled in us that it's like okay to like feel yeah. feel what you're feeling and like that that you know versus you know, the, you know, my Italian father who, you know, again, just, it's just kind of product of his own environment that, you know, you're a man, you, mm-hmm. you don't talk about your emotions. Yeah. You don't even have them no. as far as, as far as they're concerned. You know, there, there's, like, there's that, um, <laughs> what is it? Uh, the be a man thing where it's like, um, having a bad day, keep it to yourself. Be a man. Be a man. Like, yeah. That's just the funniest shit to me. Cause it's so tongue in cheek. It's, it's so he's bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, that's like, that's really what we grew up with. Like my yeah. mother always encouraged me to cry. Yeah, Mom, it would it would actually upset my mother when I went through something and I and I didn't cry about it mm-hmm. because she was like, "You need to cry." about You gotta this. feel it. You, you gotta go to, through it exactly. because you're gonna bottle that, exactly. and it's gonna manifest itself somewhere else. Exactly, it always comes out somewhere else, you know. And it you can't run run from your trauma. You your just body can't. keeps score. There's a book. It's like your body keeps score. Yeah, it does, it's and nice. it'll come out. It'll come out some other way. Exactly, it and it could be and it could be a destructive way. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. exactly. So you don't want that, and you have to deal with these things in healthy healthier ways, and um. Uh, this is probably a good transition to get into the main lesson because your your new project, uh, new new wave part two, is that correct? Is that yeah, how, new is wave that part two. New wave part two. Um, and I know this project is meaningful to you, and we've discussed it a little bit off air when we were talking. And I feel like people might, you know, I'm glad that you were having this conversation because, and we talked about this before I show the cover of the album. I'll put it on the screen for you guys. I think people would not knowing you at all, right? Mm. Stereotype the album and say, oh, this is such a misogynistic album cover with you in the middle and all the women around you, right? Not knowing anything about you, having zero context. And they could see it that way. However, you you actually have it flipped. It's not that it's, it's, it's quite opposite. It's you want to uplift, like you're showing like you were raised by so many women around you and like that women are... Were, have made you strong and helped you with your like we just well, everything we're talking about right now right dealing with emotions and that like treating women well and uplifting them is like a vital thing that we have to do in our society and highlighting the respect that you have for women and all of that you and, and I think you're showing them in such an elegant way in the in not only the the cover but also within the music as well so mm-hmm. um and I know you've done even a little bit of activist work on this on this topic as well so 
I guess just like talk to me about how you've tried to channel all of that into the music and how that like has helped you to, you know, I guess, yeah, just, I guess not deal with the trauma necessarily, but just like how you've allowed for yourself to use your experience in, in, in growing up with so many strong women around you and, and how that's sort of translated now into like your artistry. I'm just like really. No, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, even outside of my mother, I was raised by a village of, of women, yeah. of, of queer folks, of queer women, you know, feel me? Like all like, intersecting identities. Like my mother's best friend is, uh, is a queer woman mm-hmm. who is very masculine to the point where obviously not like mad, but I'm like, she's masked for me. Like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I literally asked her, I was like five years old. I was like, are you a girl? Are you a boy? And like, they were all laughing. Cause like, Oh, this kid is just making jokes, but it's like, I'm trying to figure it out. But like in that moment, my mom was like, you don't really, you don't, that's not how you ask someone that. That's not how you ask them that question. And even though it was like at a small faculty party with my mom, she was bringing me around. She still took the time to, instead of being like, Oh, Boys will be boys. He's a kid to be like no, yeah. or scold, or the opposite way, or being like no, like you don't talk. Smack like, me on the head or something. Yeah, shit. yeah. She just sits you down, has a conversation. Like no, this is not how you right. address somebody with this. This is how you should do it. And it wasn't I even think like that's a, incredible. It wasn't even a sit down because like I didn't feel embarrassed in the moment. I just thought right. it was funny. Right. But like it was her name's Chris. It was my mom and Chris, and they didn't even like really skip a beat. They were just like. That's not, how you, that's not how you ask someone that, da, yeah. da, 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 and then boom, right back to normal. Yeah, okay, so like not making a bigger deal than it need to be, but still addressing it in the moment. Exactly. Yeah, and which, I think that's important. Which made me understand as a kid, like, oh, it's okay to ask questions. I just have to be careful how I ask said questions. Because yeah, there's yeah, no... totally. Like, there, you have a, a hundred different men, or a hundred thousand, like, men and men and men always like, oh, I'm just asking. It's just a question, knowing damn well the way to say the question was mad disrespectful. Right, um, right. But going back, like, I do want to say I really appreciate you mentioning the part of the cover art um, because that was one aspect of it that I was a little worried about, that people would only see it as the playboy, as the the bravado, like, would only see that aspect of, like, oh, right. dude in chains and a nice coat, light-skinned dude with braids around a bunch of women, like, a bunch of, like, beautiful women. When, in fact, there was, like, obviously there's that sense of, like, yeah, I'm the shit, I'm that guy, but at the same time, like, bro, like, you, if you look at my face, you can see the dark circles. Like, I literally, I don't have a lighter on me because I can't, like, I need these women around me in order to survive. Like, these women are, like, like protecting me and uplifting me. And the other reason uh, I wanted to show that is because, I like, one, uplifting is important, but it's also, like, yo, I need men to realize, bro, that if you're a good person, women will do, like, the women in your life will do everything for you. Like, absolutely, bro, you give women the time of day, the respect, the, the support, the care, you show them that you're in their corner, bro. And I guarantee, just like how your boys will ride for you, every single woman in your life would kill for you. And I swear to God. That's so well said. I completely agree. There's women in my life, bro. I even had, had a song back ages ago where I was like, I, I got two shorties who will shoot for me and then do the time. And like, obviously, that's a flop thing to say. But like, there's women in my life who would do that. And that's because I've been so intentional with not only like my my support and my protection of them, but also like my willingness to understand my position because that's one of the big things that I learned being surrounded by women is that like I was able to pick up on how badly men was hurting them Mm. and because I was able to see that and I just like it's like seeing a kid get bullied and being like yo I don't like being bullied so why would I want to be bullied why would I want to be a bully absolutely why would I want to inflict the same pain that my sister and my mother was growing up with Mm -hmm. Um, and like going back to the project like 
like all this shit, it's just an amalgamation of, of me. I'm an amalgamation of everything that I've been through. Mm -hmm. I mean, and like there's so much nuance that I think gets lost with artists wanting to focus on one thing and not allowing themselves the freedom to fully express it. Because like there's music on that on these projects, these last two projects that when I was like 19, I would have never said I was gonna make. Like I, I grew up making boom bap and trap music with my cousins. I mean, like that was my bread and butter. But like last few years, I've been a lot more comfortable. And a lot of it goes back to my mother. I'm making the music that my mother, like reiterations of the music that my mother was playing growing up. My cousins was all playing Lil Wayne, 50 Cent. Like 50 Cent was my favorite rapper growing up. Mm -hmm. But I was also going home listening to Sade, listening to George Michael, feel me? Like yeah. Depeche Mode. Like I was listening to like super niche artists, not niche because they were mainstream, but like, in my communities, it was niche. It was niche, too. yeah. I'm sure exactly. in your community, it's very niche. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, not even not niche. Definitely not like just a little bit more like left field, like off the beaten path, like not super, not something you'd normally maybe hear. In my age group, uh, people wasn't listening to the past. No, totally not. No, your age group, our age group, certainly. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, not to give you to ask such a surface level question, mm -hmm. but what's your favorite song on on out of the three? Uh, because obviously this is a bit of a three pack here. Out of, out of the three, I know it's like asking yeah. who's your favorite child. No, <laughs> literally. Uh, I think if you had if you had to choose, I love all of them for so many different reasons. I love. I think my some. Uh, I'll give you a top three. I would say GoFundMe is one of my favorites because okay. that song is just like the perfect encapsulation of like me. Like the song is a breakbeat club song mm -hmm. that you would hear at a house like at a house event. Yeah, it's a uns 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 like. Um, shout out to Leaders of Light. Went crazy on that. Went crazy on that. Um, but the the things that I'm talking about aren't things you would hear. And that's, you wouldn't think you would hear yeah. in a club setting or like in a in a pop breakbeat setting. Like I'm talking about like sh like some shit for me. Um, and I think that like duality it really represents me. So I love that song for that. But also the fact like I just I'll be listening to that song back to myself and it's fun. It's fun to listen to. Um, and it's also like the song that uh, ha is like the most out of left field that I've done. Like, sure. I, like I said, you showed me that beat when I was 19. I'm like, bro, can you put some fucking trap music on? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, bro. That speaks to your elevation as an artist for sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you for saying that. I would say the other song that I really, really like is Gutters because it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, shout out, shout out Indo, Indo Soul. He made that one. Um, Gutters is, is a Jersey club beat. And it's like some shit you bop your head to, you like dance a little bit to. But if you like take a look at the words, like I talk about getting stuck up mm. in that song. I talk about like one of the lines is, um, come watch a demon, the trauma is still molding. Like hmm. I'm still going, like the things that I'm saying on that song are things that you would hear, you would think you would hear on like some real introspective beat. Some like Isaiah Rashad type shit. Yeah. Shout yeah. out Isaiah Rashad. Yeah, one of my favorites. Oh my God. He's so good. Crazy, crazy. I think I think what you said with Kendrick—that's that's that's a song with Kendrick and what? Yeah, um, what you is it? What you said? What you saying? Something like that. It's off of his um, that Son second LP tirade. that he. Yeah, Sun's Cyrid. Uh, I think that I'm gonna be honest. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. There's a little recency bias because I listened to it recently. I think that might be the greatest, one of the greatest rap songs ever. If not, yeah, bro, like 
Two that's of the, the, that's the one that's like verses. it's got James. Is it James Fauntleroy that's on that? It's um it's, Zachary. Oh wait, it's, is it Zakari or is Zakari? That's right. I always say his name wrong. Let me uh, see, let me see, let me see. Like I'm running. I'm like not doing it justice at all. Yeah, that's like the melody, right? How many hoes did you fuck today? How many souls did you touch? Bro, that shit is that shit is kind of crazy. Oh, uh, that is crazy. A cra- crazy. That, is, that is a crazy track. Um, do you, oh wow, we just ummed at the same time. That was weird. That was uh, do you? Do you <laughs> on the same wave? Like, yeah. might if we play a clip of GoFundMe for the people so I can check Absolutely. and kind of hear the vibe of it? And, Absolutely, and check, I amazing. Love, I would love, I would love that. that. Well, we're gonna take a short break. Actually, matter of fact, play Go Gutters. Play Gutters. Play Gutters. Got you. Got you. All right, we're gonna take a short break. Uh, we're gonna take a short break, and we're gonna play Gutters off of Dom Dior's brand new EP, New Wave Part Two, and we will be right back. Demons who look in the gutters, I run about women who looking for lovers, I run about youngers who looking for coffee. Yeah, I'm coming straight from the gutters, I run about demons who look in the gutters, I run about women who looking for lovers, I run about youngers who looking for cover. And that was Gutters off of Dom Dior's brand new EP, New Wave Part 2. Um, what's Wrong is the song, the, the yeah, Isaiah Rich. <laughs> we, we, we had the what's. We we well, I was about to say, the we, W-A-T-S. Yeah, 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 we were there somewhere. Um, I want to get more into a little bit about the main lesson, which is like, again, what you're doing now and, and the artistry and things like that. But I believe it's time in uh, time for a pop quiz. In, uh, <laughs> in this, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We've we've hit the point in in the show where I, we got. I get... love this format, by the way. Like <laughs> I, the I objective pop quiz assigned. Like yes, yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. I got. I, I actually, uh, for any returning listeners, uh, there's going to be actually a brand new segment we're going to try out with you today. So you're going to be like my my guinea pig for for a brand new segment, which is coming a little bit soon. I have to spoil it, but. That'll come a little, bit, a little bit later. Pop quiz is a series of rapid fire questions. Some of them have stuff to do with music. Um, some of them might have something to do completely outside of music, but they're all about you. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you can fail. <laughs> no one's ever failed. It's okay. Amazing, amazing. Um, all right. So my first question, 
um, is what's the biggest thing you miss about Texas and what's, what do you love most about Mass? Uh, family. Family is definitely the thing I miss most about Texas. Um, my cousins were my best friends growing up. Those are my yeah. cousins. wasn't my cousins. They were my siblings. So yeah, yeah. They like yeah. I, we would spend from, but we would just be like sleeping on the floor together. Like that was it. Like I remember like having like seven of my cousins and me and my sister, all I mean seven including all of us like all in the living room having a sleepover like every single day during the summer. I'd have my cousins from Las Cruces come to visit us. Yeah. So definitely family. Cool. And what do you love most about Mass? Being like your, your time in Massachusetts, like, is there anything specific that you love most about the people? No, no. People. I think I think like people it was definitely know. a culture shock. People don't say hi out here. You feel me? I'm from the it's, south, so it's, I, I know it's strange, it's right? I, it when you see somebody walk across the street, you're like, yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Well, every time I go to the south, it's at, all the time, exactly. literally all the time. People even who, out even out west, I feel like I get more of that than I do here. People who want to send my people home will still say good morning. Yeah. Like people who who believe Mexicans should never be in the U.S. are still like, "Hey, how you doing?" Like it's it's funny, but up here you can have somebody who's a freedom fighter and they'll look straight at the ground or straight ahead. Yeah, yeah. but still, I, like the people here are incredible. Amazing, incredible I love that. Stuff. I love that. Um, I know you're a big coffee guy, and uh, it's right here clearly. So that you definitely are. Um, what's your what's normally your go to place to get coffee, and then what's like your go to order? Is it Dunks or is there like a different different spot you go to for coffee? It was so. Coffee's a very very touchy subject for me. Um, <laughs> how, used, so, how so? <laughs> I was a barista for like for like six years. Oh, there you go. So you uh, go. I started at Pete's. So I was very much like. Pete's Coffee Supremacy. There's no better coffee than Pete's. And then mm. Pete's got bought out by somebody trying to, by a conglomerate trying to make us in a Starbucks. Sure. So then I was like, fuck it. I'm not going, whatever. But I went to, uh, I remember I went to South Dakota for a while um, for, for a camping trip. Okay. Middle of my junior, my, my junior summer. Um, and I started getting really into black coffee because that's all there was. Yeah. Because um, originally my coffee order was uh, like, Basically, would it be a frappuccino? Yeah, like or All like sugar a, and like it'd crap. be tea or a frappuccino or like a ice ice mocha. Those mm-hmm. are my three go tos. But then I started drinking black coffee, and I was like, well, "This is kind of it." And then I started going to Starbucks like almost religiously. Um, and then I found out recently, not recently, because I found out in high school that they were that their CEO was Zionist. And okay. I stopped. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, back then there's. I'm not zero. a coffee drinker for context. I actually am allergic to caffeine, so I don't. I don't even drink. I, it's probably for the better. Probably it, for the better. It is. Caffeine it is. is most definitely a drug. Um, <laughs> no question about that. No question. No question. Um, so I stopped, uh, and I was like, Nah, it's fuck Starbucks. But then all around was just Starbucks, and then I did a little bit more research, and everything that was telling me about the like. Uh, uh, Starbucks uh, Israel relationship um. it, I couldn't get a straight answer it was always like yes maybe or like there used to be a start like all, all I was gathering was that the CEO himself was Zionist so I was like alright I guess I'll keep going to Starbucks to the point where I was going for Starbucks unconsciously for, for years because they had the best fast coffee in my opinion like they the their the regular iced coffee and their americano tastes great to me compared to like a duncan or like a not even a duncan like a like cafe nero for example like there's mm-hmm. just certain things that i was like you know this is, this is fine and it's a lot cheaper than artisanal coffee but it doesn't taste like it was sure. burnt for the last three hours gotcha um but due to recent events i, I can't really can't bring myself to buy their coffee no more even though i still got like 45 dollars in my Starbucks <laughs> don't know what i'm gonna do with that 
Uh, um, give it away to somebody. That's jury's still out on Duncan, so if y'all can y'all can provide me some information about whether whether Duncan supports Israel, please let me know because I can't. No, yeah, I yeah, can't change can't. my copy order again. Uh, yeah, we we can't be doing that. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But Sorry. yeah, anything that's supporting Israel right now, I'm free I'm, Palestine, free Gaza. I'm, I'm safe right, Palestine, safe Gaza. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, and just on the side of humanity in general. Seriously, like no, it's just the killing should just stop on both sides. It's really gross, but no, sorry, we're gonna get off topic. But I, I'm, I just know I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I think it's um, read a little more than a headline, people. That's all I'll say. Okay, or read more than a tweet or like a Instagram post. Actually, like do a little bit of research on the history, please. Like that's all I ask. And listen to the people who are there and the people who have families in the middle of this. Yes, and those are the voices yes. that matter the most. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better. Um, now back to <laughs> things that are way less important. Um, what's the most underrated Nike accessory or piece of clothing, clothing in your opinion? Shit, I love this question. Fuck, fuck. <laughs> oh, man. The most underrated Nike. So not like your favorite, but like some, right, like, right, right, like right, some right. type of accessory that maybe not as many people wear or like a specific type of jacket or your shoe or, or shirt, whatever it is. Yeah. Like something that people don't normally gravitate to that you think is like super dope that more people should wear. That are Nike fans. Uh, Jordan brand clothes. For a while, Jordan, especially when I was working at Nike, everybody was like, Jordan brand clothes. We don't want that shit. But Jordan be making fire shit. Like, this is this bomber right here. Is, I know. It's a fire bomber, and it's Jordan. It's I noticed Jordan. it actually earlier. I used, to, I used to rock all Jordan shit when I was, like, when I was younger. But, well, it's for yeah. me, for me. Um, I would say, but like, for, like, it's not really underrated anymore. I would say, the, the for me, is, oh, fuck. This is a great question, bro. Um... ACG, the ACG, it's, it's not too slept on, but I think ACG is probably, okay. ACG or Nike Lab are like the two coolest departments of Nike, in my opinion. Gotcha. Like, I have, like, full, my half my closet is ACG. Fire. Great, cozy, Fire. warm. Oh, I love that. Uh, next two are uh, still on that same wave. Um, best line or type of Nike shoe, in your opinion? The Air Force. There's no, there's no better shoe than the Air Force. Um... Around when I was growing up, it was it was Chucks, Cortezes, and Air Forces, and I always thought Air Forces. I mean, I also thought all three were cool, but for me, like the Air Force, because I love chunk, I love chunky shoes. Okay, it was such, it, it's indescribable, bro. Like it's such a brilliant shoe. I think it's the greatest shoe that was ever created. I think like that, that's the best shoe. I think right behind it. It was like you didn't say underrated, right? Nope, I said uh, best line, best line of shoe or favorite type of shoe from gotcha. Nike. Yeah, yeah in, say, in your opinion, I would say the Air Force, um, or or the Jordan Jordan One or Jordan Five. Okay, tight. Uh, favorite shoe that you own from your own collection? Either my Travis Ones or my Oregon Fives. So much that I don't touch those shoes. <laughs> you don't even wear them. Like, I have, I have a pair of Travis Fours too. I love that blue. So I would say those those are my fa- three favorites. Interesting. Okay. Favorite activity you like to do with your two dogs? My two dogs, damn. Um, lay in my bed, sleep. Yeah. They are are incredible cuddlers. They're so they're so small, so I can literally just like lay straight on my back and just have them right here, and then just like maybe that's the next album cover. <laughs> just for, the, for all the dogs, right? For all the, for all the dogs. Oh, you! Oh, wow! You're getting into a weird. Uh, yeah. It's a, a, a later later segment. Oh, hold, no, hold, hold, no, your, no, hold your hold your hold your horses. Hold your dogs there. Um. 
So <laughs> this is a, I'm very curious about this because I so I worked in like customer service for just a slight slight uh, time. I know you've worked as a barista, you mentioned, and then worked at Nike mm-hmm. and now at Apple, correct? Yeah, exactly. So what's like the worst customer? You don't have to mention the person exactly, but worst customer interaction you've ever been a, uh, like witnessed or been a part of? Prior to working at Apple, it was um, <laughs> it was funny. There's two. One, the the store I was at was was like I was at a Family Dollar and it was borderline stuck up. Okay. But like I was, uh, I was 18 at the time, and like I was high pretty regularly during my shifts, so I didn't really <laughs> know what was going on with homie. Um, he was also like slurring everything, but I was like, what's going on? Nothing ever ever happened. He kind of just like he's like. Obviously, he didn't go in there thinking he was going to get much. The guy just went on there as a whim, I'm assuming. But the worst one was, I think, when I was, um, I was like, 16 years old. There was this woman at a Pete's Coffee I was at who was like, hey, you made my drink really bad. I think I need a refund or a new one. And at Pete's, for the large size, was this big-ass mug. And Shorty had drinking all but, like, a third. Oh, my God. I hate and when they do this shit. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen that that video of that guy who's like, you gonna make me eat this? And she's like, well, let me ask the audience. Like, the plate is clean. It was that type of shit. She was like, are you gonna make me pay for this? I was like, ma'am, you drank your drink. Yeah. If you took, like, a few sips, I would have been like, no, let's let's get it done. It's taken care of because it's, it's food service. There's so much shit that, like, you... There's so much money that going in and out of food service that a couple, a glass of milk, basically, what we was doing with is not the end or big. Sure. End if they take a few sips and, like, this isn't quite right, it's definitely, like, absolutely. If you come different. to me as a human, feel me? Like, <laughs> if you come to me as a, as a sane person, I'm going to react as a sane person. Yeah. But I was like, what? No. <laughs> and then the person who actually made their drink, um, funny enough, was my mom's ex-girlfriend. And she was like, no, we're not fucking doing that. Like, verbatim. <laughs> and it started a huge, like, a whole ass thing about her yelling at them yelling at each other. And oh, her husband came in and started yelling. We had to call, like, the, the uh, one of the fucking, like, um, shift leads had to call a, a, the police in the back. Damn. Because homie actually tried to grab her. Over was, a cup of coffee. Over a cup. Well, not even coffee. It was a matcha latte, bro. It was two ingredients. What milk yeah. and, and finely ground tea. Even still over a drink? Over a drink. We're really doing this? Over some, over four seventy five. Seriously. Like, you, in, in a town where you guys probably make a million dollars a year. Seriously. Like. Yeah. Ugh. That taught me that rich people are, are exceptionally more stingy than anybody else. It's well, yeah, it's, it's how they keep the money. Hoarding, hoard, wealth hoarders, wealth hoarders. Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's <laughs> probably most people that are probably in any sort of customer service industry have probably had some type of thing. It's just, it's just the entitlement, man. No, the entitlement drives me nuts. No, Again, Apple's, it's one thing if like, it's an honest mistake, we'll fix it, whatever. Right. But like, there's I only mean, so, there's only th- so many things I could blame on incompetence. Yeah. And now yeah. that I'm at like Apple and stuff, the the cus- we see so many people a day that like I've had to kick people out of the store mm-hmm. like you're like mid conversation I'm like you're not gonna talk to me this way mm-hmm. you can leave right now I can get a manager to help right me out. right crazy crazy um, I might mispronounce this so if I do please please correct me on the sure, correct sure. pronunciation because again I'm not Mexican um, explain what I believe it's pronounced Chicano. Chicano, Chicano. Yeah, you got it, you got it. So explain what that means and why it's so important to you. Because now you have it tatted on you and everything like that. Sure, so sure. a little bit of context. I'm, I'm, I'm just genuinely curious, especially as a tattoo guy too. I like meaning, meaning behind tattoos and whatnot. So of course, of course. No, no, I definitely appreciate you. Also, one being like conscientious of the pronunciation. A lot of people, when it comes to words in general, pronunciations are important. Names are important. Of course. Um, Chicano. Like, there's like two aspects of it. It's like one. The basic aspect is like it's 
Mexican-American. It's just another word for okay. Mexican-American. However, when you dive deeper into it, um, Chicano was actually a slur that white folks used to use um, against Mexican-Americans who didn't speak Spanish. Um, not even necessarily who didn't speak Spanish, but just like first-generation, second-generation Mexicans um, around uh, World War One and World War Two. Um, so originally it was a slur. It was like, like, like Chico and like Tejano. Like it was an amalgamation of shit. But um, folks started uh, reappropriating it and calling each other Chicano and identifying as Chicano because you had an entire generation of Mexican Americans who, like, a lot of them, a lot of them didn't know Spanish as well as their parents. So not only could they not connect with being fully Mexican and being and living in Mexico, mm-hmm. but also because they were Mexican, still they're most of them are brown, darker skin, very clearly non-white. They couldn't, they obviously couldn't be connected with this, the states. So it was like, I was like, yo, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm literally like caught between two worlds. So let me just make my own world, and that bred like an incredible, incredible Mexican American culture, like Chicano culture, and and like the South and 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 in the West is like one of the most beautiful things ever. Um, and like it just sparked so many like incredible things. It sparked the Zutsu era. Um, it sparked like lowrider culture. It sparked like I don't know. It, it was just like the perfect metaphor for like Mexicans in general. Are, a lot of them are mestizos. Most Latinos in the world are mestizos, okay. which means they're uh, a mixture of indigenous indigenous uh, um, Mexicans, like the Mesteca people, um, and the tribes that were all there combination of Mexicans, original Mexicans, colonizers, and black slaves. So, we're, like, we're mestizos because we're basically mutts. We're combinations of all these things. So Chicano is, like, another thing of that. It's like, yo, like, I know where things come from. I know where my people come from to a certain extent, but I don't necessarily fit in that same box because I'm somewhere new. But I also don't fit in this box that's new because I'm not allowed to fit in. So let me make my own box. Well, I love this podcast because I love to learn something new from my guests every time. So that was that was amazing and something I had absolutely no knowledge of context of. So I know your history, people. I know that, that just Definitely came back. do more research because that was a flash course. There's, That's, entire, <laughs> that was there's, a flash course. there's entire college departments dedicated to Chicano culture. Uh, well, that, I, well, I'm glad I asked. So okay. thank thank you so much for, for, uh, for giving that con- type of context. Um, that's it. Pop quiz. I think you passed. You did, oh, yeah. you did, did a great job. Well done. <laughs> yeah, you hear the applause in the background, people. Yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you talked about it a little bit earlier, and now I'm curious. I want to. Uh, it was more in the context of college, um, but now that you guys are all out of college and you're still like obviously pursuing, and I'm, what I mean is the, the KOBK. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious with you guys as a collective. Is that safe to say? You guys are yeah. like a collective. Is exactly. that easy? Is, is that something yeah, exactly. that I can bring? So. What has that been like being a part of a collective like this? And, you know, what's kind of your guys' mission sort of going forward? Is it one of those things where you want to do a lot more things together? Or is it more of like you kind of just supporting each other and sort of um, making it more of a movement? I'm kind of curious of like, is it is are you guys planning on releasing a lot of music together? Or or is it, like I said, more of just like, you know, we are all of this sort of like aligned uh, in terms of like business, I'm kind of curious where that no, sort of like where that falls. No, I love KOBK because we're it's 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 where it's like it's us. We people move in waves. For me, like we've had different eras of KOBK. Like in college, we was definitely like a G unit, like moving all like yo every single party. We're pulling up and we're taking the ox. 
Like there was there's there was a party I remember we went to I think at UMass Dartmouth where we straight up this started playing KLBK music on the aux and then when they turned off the speaker we're like okay but we're gonna take the speaker then so we just <laughs> left and took the speaker and that was the speaker we used for our parties for like the next two three years um, then but then when like all of us are pretty spread out there's only a handful of us in Boston proper mm-hmm. like yeah we got folks in, in like Brockton and shit. Um, and like all over, all over, um, even in Lowell and shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like we we've gone through phases, and it's definitely a collective, and we we use that term very loosely just so we have like, um, because we just like I said we go through phases. Like in 2021, we all kind of locked back in to make um, KOBK Radio Volume, um, is it Volume Two? I think there's been a few, but um, we were like every single week studio session like it was back in college um but then we're complex creatures we got things going on like tomo for example like tomo was really leading the charge for klbk for a really long time like he had that shit on his back um and but he also had to grow as an individual artist he couldn't just have klbk so that's when he started cbt really diving into his own stuff and a conversation we all had was that like in order for us to really be like a full collective we all have to be like strong on our own and like we can always reconvene that's always family but like we're we're a support system for real for each other um like an artistic support system that's really what like i think the basis of it is like we give your give ourselves the freedom to to interact but also like step back because we have members who are crazy crazy active always in the studio always at events and then we have some other members who like who are there when they can be and that's not as frequent and it's not, I don't think they love KLBK any less. It's just that they're complex creatures. Sure. Yeah. And people, like you said, people just naturally will grow and move, move differently. But it's still good that you guys still have like that, still love for each other and mm-hmm. the support for each other. That's it. So it's kind of, I guess in a way, it's, it's both everything I, I just kind of asked. It's like mm-hmm. you guys still cook up when you can, but you also still support each other from afar. Exactly. So that's, that's nice. I, I appreciate that no, uh, a fine. lot. And then you've done a ton of work. I'm actually wearing the sweatshirt right now, the hoodie. You can't really see it because I, I I got this very quickly at Master of the Cha- uh, the Master of the Chamber, mm-hmm. um, like the the like the high, the one that was just recently had. You get to get all the enjoy the thrill shit on the back. So yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Ski. And I know you've uh, you've done quite a bit of work with uh, Stefan Camp. Big shout out to those guys, by the way. Like sir. just the biggest the biggest of shout outs. They are like amazing. Seriously, they, I met them the same night I met you. Yeah, I never. I mean, I and I was familiar with them. And what I love about them so much, in terms of social media presence, until this recent one with the Grandmaster of the Chamber. That's what it was. Thank you. I, I, I completely forgot um, the name of it. Escaped me. Um, I almost feel like, like I was following Enjoy the Throw for a really long time, but there was never like I never felt like there was a face of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they, they seemed like they moved in such a way where like they really just took a back seat to it, like almost like in the shadows, if you will, yeah. like allowing the artists that were a part of it. And that were going to these competitions, like allowed them to be like the shining ones, right? And I are being in the spotlight. Um, so I appreciate that a lot from them. And then just like they have incredible energy, and you know they've been incredibly supportive of me, and you know uh, allowed me to come in on the press conference. And so I just you know, I, I look forward to potentially doing more work with them in the future, and and or just even just honestly supporting them from afar because I really think. They're doing some special things. So how did you get involved with them and sort of how have they helped you? I want to talk more about like the performance side because mm-hmm. I know obviously as an artist, performing is just part of it. So 
how has working with enjoy the thrill and being a part of them how have you been able to grow as a performer working with them and sort of learning like from from that of all these sort of different um, opportunities and experiences oh so um i, I will say if you if y'all are able to find the time definitely have them both on so they can tell the oh, whole story because well, yeah enjoy the thrill goes back years like oh, the, the real ones know about cycle streetwear well you know I mean? cam and staff will get you guys on here real soon absolutely, absolutely. i'll be in touch absolutely please <laughs> please do um because I could talk about their story, but they, nobody could tell it better than them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I got linked up back when there was still Cycle Streetwear, like 2018. Okay. Um, through Clark. So okay. similar similar to Tomo, Clark was another person who really asserted like my dream of being an artist and making it so that like it wasn't a dream. Mm-hmm. He really elevated my music. Um, he taught me how to use autotune pretty much and how to use my voice for real that I wanted to. Um and because I was so clicked up with him for so close, I was like, yo, I know you know who Psycho is. Like, tap, tap me in with them. Because they had been coming to, we had a bunch of, like, UMass Lowell, like, performances. Mm-hmm. So I would, like, I met them, and I'd always say hi to Cam and Steph in, in passing and stuff. Um, and it was always love. Like, there was one time where, it's the first time I actually met C4 um, and King Bradley. Um, it was at an event in, just outside of Brockton. Um, and me and Cam were, were going to get food beforehand driving in some hoopty just like for like 20 minutes and just got mad connected like i still vividly remember that conversation today like i will never forget at one point we went to a pizza spot we were trying to like um we were trying to be like kind of funny because they had a basketball and they were like yo we play y'all got hoop outside we play you could we get some free pizza (laughs) there was dickheads to us just some white italians but like no that's not funny you guys are dickheads you guys are idiots italians have no sense of humor no especially (laughs) not down there i guess italian americans but um so fast forward fast forward i got linked up with them um and then i asked to use their studio to shoot a music video okay um didn't end up working out because i actually had to slide as soon as i got there but from then like the it was cycle studios and now it's thrill studios been the same place ever since Mm -hmm. um and ever since then like each year i got closer and closer and closer to them until like 2020 like i was running with them regularly like i was they literally let me stay at thrill like and sleep there during COVID, during COVID times, yeah. um, like Thrill was like a, a community beacon for us for so long. And like, like I said, I was I was running around with them all around the city. Like I literally would hit them like, "Yo, what do y'all need me to do?" And I'll do it. Like on some like, "Yo, you say jump how high type shit," just because like they, I could just see how passionate they were about this shit, yeah. and like how much like it's so rare to see somebody so hardworking be so comfortable in the background. Like, they know what role they want to do, and they they play that role better than anybody else could. Um, yeah, so I, that, it was just a matter of, like, accidental circumstances again and again and again till we asserted ourselves as family. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then in terms of, like, the performance side. Like oh, facts. I, I forgot the question. No, 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 that's okay. I asked you two kind of questions at once. I, I tend to do that a little bit too often. Um yeah, so in terms of the performance side, like how have you felt like you've grown as a performer? Because mm-hmm. I know you've done like a bunch of their events and different things like that, obviously being as close as you are with them. Um, what has that been like for you to, you know, really get that, that type of practice as, as yeah, a performer? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm internally, uh, uh, eternally grateful for, um, for them putting me on the first chamber. Like I'm a part of history officially. Um, and they were all like... It, it was it was so important um, that moment for me because 
it was one of the first times I had a really bad performance. Hmm. Like I had a terrible chain performance. Um, who would have? Who knows if I would have ever been master of the chamber? Nate Nix, shout out Nate Nix. Um, but I, I definitely didn't set myself up to do so. And that moment really showed me. I'm like, yo, like I could be, I could be, I could be making some of the greatest music of my life. I could be making some of the greatest music ever created. But if I can't perform it, if I, if I can't showcase it, that's not hip hop for me. Mm -hmm. um, so that really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, also, them just being real with me, feel me? Like there were times where I felt like, yo, why y'all, why ain't y'all putting my music, playing these music, my, my music at these events? Because there'd be like a few other artists who'd be getting their music played, whatever, whatever. Um, and they would just be like, bro, I don't think the music makes sense. I don't think the music's ready. And that definitely put a chip on my shoulder to be like, yo, who tells me what's ready, who's not ready? But at the same time, it was like, yo, like they were real with me. Like there was like having yes men in your corner is the worst thing you could have. Like, and I don't have very many yes men in my corner to begin with. Like I really don't. I really feel uncomfortable if you're too like if you're always saying someone's fire, like you have no criticism, that's it. Um But with them, they they are just like they love me so they love me like like my mother almost. Like they, they are so real with me. Um, they hold me accountable and I feel comfortable holding them accountable for anything. Like yeah. it's that and like Cam and Steph are so emotionally intelligent and that's such a rare thing to find. Like yeah. exceptionally emotionally intelligent to the point where like there's never been a moment I've been afraid to come to them about something. Um going back to the performance, it's always just been important. It's like they're a run and gun. They're like they basically do guerrilla um guerrilla community work when mm -hmm. it comes to setting up these events. Like totally. just go, go, go. Yeah. So like the performance, but also just like the work ethic, really, really like is inspiring, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've had nothing but good things to say about them since I met them, and like I felt, like you said, you go off of energy. I'm the same way, and I definitely feel like they're really building something truly special. But it's makes it even better when you know that the two the the, the people that are creating that special thing that they are just special people right yeah. like they're good wholesome people like that really means a lot more than just somebody that you know just tapped it yeah exactly so i i that grassroots sort of thing and i, and I think that's like something when we were chatting uh, at at that um at friend street like we also connected on that like you and i connected on different things and i connected on with cam and steph on that i think the grassroots thing we both connected on that a little bit like being sort of outside the music scene and kind of coming into it and figuring out how we could like help give people platforms or give people like opportunities and different give things like that. Scene, exactly. Yeah. And so they've, they've certainly done that. Well, big shout out to Cam and Steph for real. Like they've just, like I said, I, I can't say enough good things about those guys. Um, and if you haven't never been to a master of the chamber uh, event, once they start season two, make sure you get over there. I had a grand master of the chamber was unbelievable one of my Incredible. one of the best uh events i've been to in boston in you, quite some time it you couldn't great. write a movie script better than that it was so um seriously like, right bro it was some naru I, I tweeted this out it was some naruto shit bro and unreal big shout out to uh sanye, uh, sanye too oh my god yeah he's another guy we got to get on pretty soon yeah, we already we already shout talked about that shout, shout out sanye. Sakaya. yeah everybody and everybody that performed that night seriously like you know everybody was i think really did their thing 
Um, but yeah, Sanye brought it, man. Bro, he, incredible. It was it was like un- anything I've ever seen. Nice. It was, it was you're, you're absolutely right. You could not have written a better better movie script. His last his last I forget the song. But like him his and, last performance. Yeah, him and Bro oh, was like shacking Kobe on the fucking platform. Oh, bro, stop it! Crazy. The way they're playing bro. off each other. Forget incredible. it. Incredible. Boom bap beat. Like just, just that, that's hip hop. That's hip hop. That was hip hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. It was on like some Wu Tang shit. No, literally, <laughs> it really. Bro. It straight up was, man. It was crazy. Um, anyway, this is one of the second to last segment. Um, these last two would be a lot quicker. Um, but this is a new segment I wanted to try to bring in. Um, I'm kind of, kind of a little bit inspired by the say that guys who actually record right over there. So big shout out to Pete and Mike. Um, but this is on my own brand. This is pass or fail. Pass or fail. Okay. 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 I have five just things or statements or, uh, you know, entities, whatever you want to call it or ideas and you're going to tell me if you think that what I mention is a pass, so it's like something good, mm-hmm. good thing, or if it was a fail. Got you. Does that make sense? It, all right. It, it. So we'll start with Drake's new album, For All the Dogs. Hmm. Pass or fail? It's a pass. It's a pass. It's I'm, a pass. I, I don't think it's a perfect album by any stretch, no. but at least the front half, totally a pass, I there, think. From fucking, what was it? Um, like the first like six songs. The playthrough, I was like, "Are we? Is this the best Drake album?" I've I know, to in like, like five years. Yeah, oh, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. What is it with Drake having? Uh, maybe this is just me. I think his intros are some like are some of the best in the game. Like he is so good at amazing intros. Absolutely, it's it, it blows my mind how every album has a, a really really good intro. Like find me in a Drake album that doesn't have a good intro. There, it's impossible. It's impossible. They all have good they might Legend, have, Tuscan I, Le- even on like Tuscan the, fucking leather dude. Incredible. Tuscan fucking leather. That incredible. song is so good. Even keep the views, keep the family close. Like that's like a minimalistic beat, but that, that song, song is crazy. It's crazy. Bro. No one talks about it. No, they that never song is talk crazy. about it. All of my let's just be friends are no longer my friends. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> the bars, the bars, it's uh, it's wild. Nah, I think it's so interesting. That's like, I always look at the intros as just a signifier to me that like, yo, he really writes his raps. He, I understand he had a lot of allegations, um, not allegations. There was ghostwriter. He had some yeah, ghostwriters. Yeah, a lot of rappers have ghostwriters. Or like skeptics. People like people are being skeptical of his exactly. of his writing. But like, um, there's no way this is not like you, when you create something like that. There's oh, it's from the yeah. Album. And then first person shooter with Cole. Just stop Crazy. it. 8 a.m. in Charlotte, just, yeah, there's, I, I'm with you. It's not a perfect album. It's not my favorite of the year by any stretch. Not my favorite Drake album by any stretch, but I, I would say it's a overall to pass. Um, all right, next two I find interesting because one's like, you know, Texas and the one's up here. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. You're not a, are you a Spurs fan? Do you like the Spurs? Oh, fuck yeah, shout out Spurs Nation. Victor Wembenyama getting the Spurs to the playoffs this year. Is that going to be a pass or a fail? Fuck, I've passed, bro. Because even last he night, looks good. what was it? What was it? Is it Kevin or Devin Vassell? Um, Devin Vassell's nice, bro. When they gave him that contract, I was a little bit like, "Is he? Is he that good?" Yeah, he's that good. Eighteen points in the first half last he's, night. He's nice. Yo. And then even the opening game against the Mavericks, he had like thirteen points in like the first quarter. Yeah, he's kind of a bucket. No, the uh, uh, even without Wembenyama, the Spurs are are dogs. You got Skohan, like bro. Last night, I literally watched like a second year player rip the ball out of Kevin Durant's hand. Yeah. Go up for a bucket. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Pass it and still fucking make it. Like full contact. 
in that and they beat the Spurs. They was down like twenty points, bro. And they still beat the Suns. And they still beat the Suns. Who are like everyone's saying is, Oh, they're coming out of the West, coming out of the West. The greatest offense ever created. Yeah. yeah. Well they better this year because I think after this year, like the Spurs I think if I think the Spurs are gonna make the playoffs next year. I, I think they're a play in team. I think they're okay. gonna be like a five hundred ish, which is a lot mm-hmm. coming back from what they did last year. And I, I'm trying to taper my expectations a little bit on Wembenyama, but I mean, I know the conversation right now is Jokic or Giannis, but in three to five years, I don't think that's going to be a conversation. I think it's going to be this kid. He is special, man. Uh, I'm. I mean, good. Lo- it's dunking just, from the free throw line, bro. It's insane that putback he had last night before. But for yes. them to pretty much like tie the game, and then exactly. someone stole it to win it. I can't remember who exactly it was, but um, just uh, just crazy, just no, crazy. It's crazy. You you could just have a team of just shooters miss, and he's just right there. Like I, I, like I didn't like. He's when, gifted. When homie shot and bricked the fuck out of it, I was cooling because Wemby was right there. Wemby's, yeah, he, dude. I'll say pass. I'll say pass for the play-in because there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So right, maybe a right. fail for the playoffs, but pass for the play-in. Okay, I'm I'm right there with you. Right, I, right. I think at this point, the way they look now, if they don't at least get into the play-in, mm-hmm. I think that would be a bit of a disappointment. Absolutely. So because I think they're a lot better than people think. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. I've genuinely, I've genuinely been feeling uh, that way. Yo, shout out Spurs. <laughs> shout out Greg Pop. Now back to the Northeast. <laughs> Celtics winning the title this year. Fuck. Fuck. Pass or fail. Uh, thing is, like, I love the Celtics. There's so many times I just can't, like, on paper, it's a pass. We have, like, the greatest, the, not the greatest. We have the best uh, starting six. Like, we have the best six-man rotation in the league. I agree. After that, that six-man falls off one guy gets hurt they're screwed exactly like we have one yeah. missing starter it's it's raps yeah they don't have they don't have the depth in the playoffs if everyone's healthy i'm not worried about it but it's exactly. getting there agreed that's yeah if you're asking me right now in this moment i want to say pass so bad my heart wants to say pass so bad but my head is telling me that they're just they're not going to get it done i don't think so because they just never quite get it done they get close and they just don't get there with wanna, this group i think they're maybe a year away they got to get another piece that's like okay you have a seven seven solid guys because i don't think pritchard is that seventh guy i just i just don't see it i don't know if pritchard wants shout out shout out paying pritchard i, I really love his it's kind of nice he's kind of been fun he's he's incredible to watch play i don't know if he wants to i know he doesn't want to be in boston so i don't know if he's going to give us his all but well, he um, just resigned he's he did he four years four years so we'll see how it goes for you i will say i'm gonna for my full judgment, I'm gonna wait till like midway through the season because I want to see if Porzingis can stay healthy. Because mm, that's Porzingis, the big, that's the big thing. If Porzingis is getting 20 and 14 every night, I even if we lose one man in the rotation, I don't see how we lose. If they're healthy, I'm pass all day. All day. But I'm just I'm I'm leaving a little bit of contingency for if one of those like you said one of those six guys goes down, even mm-hmm. if it's Horford. I, I don't know if they're going to have the depth to, to, to do it. Yeah, especially make, when you got to go through Giannis and potentially Jokic at, or LeBron and AD, whoever. Uh, not even K- touching KD. the West yet. Not yeah, even not even touching the West yet. Right, exactly. you, you got to get through Embiid and Giannis before you even. We're not, we not worried about Philly. In the Heat. No, I'm not worried about Philly either. But like I'm saying from that frontline perspective, you lose Porzingis or Horford, like you're thin. That's true. That's you know true. what I mean? That's, 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 that's all. That's all. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Excited to see. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, if you didn't. Um, you have your phone there. Maybe you can check it out real quick. So I don't know if you saw this. So Tom Brady and this um, 
this other he's a, he's, he's originally a master chef. He's a Rhode Island guy. His name is Nick uh, DG Giovanni, I believe is how uh-huh. you pronounce it. Um, I saw this thing the other day, and I think because you're such a coffee guy and uh, uh, Air Force Ones guy, yeah. they took a pair of Air Force Ones and they cough they dipped them in coffee, mm-hmm. and like they're literally just like coffee stained Air Force Ones. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but just if you haven't, maybe use your imagination. You think it would be a pass or a fail, like that type of mm-hmm. idea to coffee um, stained shoes. The Tom Brady ones, it's a fail because um, we've been folks have been doing that for a really long time. Really, okay. The, the 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 coffee Air Force One, it's a pass in my opinion because I'm always I always love just like there's like the the three percent rule, just like take something that Virgil was doing, like take something and make it three percent different. Tomo was talking about it on the Bad for the Community podcast. Gotcha. Shout out Bad for the Community. Yep. Um, Shout out to the back community guys. Uh, bad for the community guys. Excuse me, I'm stuttering. My pod bad. boys, pod boys. Um, <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just kind of falls in that, like just making something slightly different. Okay. And to me, that's cool as hell. I also think it works. Feel me? I think the coffee stain on the white. I thought it was kind of cool. cool. I think it's cool. I had just never. Oh, maybe then maybe people have been doing it for a while. I had never seen it done before. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big shoes or coffee guy, as we saw said. So it's like maybe that's just not in my wheelhouse. But I happen to follow them both. On Instagram, and then I saw the collaboration. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I, I do have a bias against Brady, so that's also that's also why. fair. Could've, you could have been like, like Lamar Jackson did that. I'd be like, coolest shit in the world ever. No one's ever done <laughs> so that it's before. A Brady thing. <laughs> All right, so we're just gonna go coffee stage shoes. I was yeah. only bringing it up because that's where I saw. I understand. It. I said Boston. Right. Boston yeah. Um, if you had to run a marathon tomorrow, like with, I guess I know you're a runner, yeah. but let's say like you have to run it tomorrow. Are you passing? or Are you failing? Honestly, I'm failing because I ran this morning. <laughs> uh, I ran for like three miles this morning, and I, I've been dealing with a back injury, so I will give myself oh, that's right. a little we bit did of talk about, Yeah, give yourself some grace there. A little bit. Of, I appreciate little, the honesty, though. You know, you're saying, yeah, you're I'm saying, gonna be real because yeah. even even without the back injury, I don't know if that's a pass. Maybe <laughs> actually, maybe I will say I went for my run this morning, and I could feel the frontal in my lungs. Okay. So if I'm like if I'm actively running, I don't really feel it, but I was definitely like. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a hard run. Definitely a hard run. Maybe we'll ask you in a month or two, and maybe that'll be a pass. Yeah, but fingers crossed. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate the Odyssey, though. And there's Pass Fail, our first ever edition. That was well, great. That was, I, yeah, I think we're going to keep that. We're going to keep that segment. Absolutely, I liked absolutely. it. Dom, what an episode, man. This is what a journey. I've just appreciated. I mean, we've had some laughs. We've had some really deep conversations. I think it's about exactly as I thought it was going to go, truthfully. Mm. Um, shout out a lot of great people in the scene. So, I mean, you're just, you're, you're a light man. You're doing amazing things. I know you feel like you got a little bit of ways to go, but I, I really, I appreciate your humbleness, your humility. You're, you're just, you're a very grounded mm-hmm. um, individual and, and keep going, man. I think this, I think the sky's the limit for you and I'm, and I'm ex- excited to continue to watch your journey. I'm really glad we were able to connect and, and, and meet and then do this. So this has been great. Um, the final segment of the show is the open response. And in the open response, we do the dream song scenario. Ooh. So I'll structure it for you. You get one to two producers and three guest features. It's your song. Okay, but you can have any artists in the world, dead or alive. Okay, one to two producers, three guest artists. Who would be on Dom Dior's dream song scenario? Before I say that, I do want to say appreciate you for saying those words. But likewise, definitely wild guys. I think there's a lot of pillars in this community, and like I definitely feel like you're you're showing yourself as one of those. Thank you so much. Very excited to see the growth. Of course, very excited to see the growth of this pod and yourself. Thank you so much. Uh, Of course, of course. Um, When it comes to the dream. Oh man, 
Can I give two answers? Can I give my my like auto tune answer and then my 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 hip my boom bap? Answer? Why not? Go ahead. Let's do it. Go Let's ahead. do it. Go Let's ahead. do it. Make do an it. exception. You're a teacher. You can make an exception. I'll make exception. <laughs> Certain students, right? I mean, if anybody's seeing this, don't come on here and just all of a sudden be like, "Oh, well, Dom Dior got yeah, it." Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm special. Okay, I'm special. All right, I asked. All right, go me. ahead. Have your have your two versions. I'm fine with it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> when it comes to boom bap, I would say um, I want to. I want uh, either DJ Premier. Or no, DJ Premier. Okay. Um, fuck. It's just I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I almost want like a Doom. Okay. DJ Premier and Doom. Oh fuck! Actually, sorry. Premier. I love DJ Premier. I want Mad Living Doom. Okay. Um, I want Kendrick. I want um. I want Meek Mill on that too. Okay. I want Meek Mill on that shit. Interesting. And then I want, um, dang, 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 dang. This is such a good question. And I've known, I knew, I should have thought about this because I knew this question was coming too. Um, oh, he, he, did, he did his homework too. I like it. <laughs> real recognized, man. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, I'm going to come back to the boom bat. I'm going to do, do the auto-tune one. So auto-tune, I definitely want Metro Boomin'. And I want, um, I don't know how this would mix. I want, I want Timbaland. Okay. I want Timbaland. Metro Boomin and They Timbaland. could do something. They they'll could, figure it they're out. They're geniuses in their own right. That's what I mean. Yeah. They could they, figure they'll figure out. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely want Travis Scott on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, oh man. Damn. Damn, damn. I'll be thinking about this all the time until it's actually time to say it out. Yeah, yeah. I know I threw you on the spot here. Facts. Travis, definitely Travis Scott. Um, uh, Flea. Okay. Um, I think, let me let me double check. I'm pretty sure that's, um, that's his name. Because um, he did a song. Yeah, Flea. Yeah, Flea. Because I'm not going to lie, Flea has... Um, a huge, huge impact on my music. The he, the song he has, the the project he has with Stupid Cool, is one of the greatest projects I've ever heard. Like when it comes to plugging beats, um, like he had that song with Brent Fires, um, Swish Last Used To, which like basically was one of the like songs that inspired me to mess around with like the mixing of like soft singing with like. Like grimy shit. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like yeah. singing Angelic about <laughs> killing somebody. Crazy, bro. <laughs> um, but his sound was super influential. Um, so I would say Travis Flea, and honestly, just because I've been listening to him a bunch, I kind I want D Sav. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm right. gonna I'm gonna take shout out Timbaland. I'm gonna take him out. I'm gonna put Pierre Bourne. In All right. Woman. All right. Pierre Bourne's in. Yeah. And then Timberland's for the in. for the um. Boom bap, I want Sade on the hook. Okay. So you'd Kendrick, Sade, and, and Meek. Yeah. Huh. Meek Mill. I, I would gravitate more towards that song. Yeah. The Boom Bap one with Hell Kendrick, yeah. Meek, and Sade, and then Doom and Mad Lib. But they both sound pretty great. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to manifest this. We're putting this in the universe. Uzi <laughs> could also switch out for D-Sab. I think Uzi would have a lot of really fun. Yeah. But I, I think... got to catch him before he retires. Well, rap... Rappers retiring is a lie. It's propaganda. It's false information. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Oh my god! How many rappers have retired and come back? You know, mm. it's it's pretty funny. It's hove. Yeah, for real. But 
But all right, well, two great songs right there. I think they'd both be smash hits and chart topping at the same time. So, uh, yeah, we're putting it out in the universe. We'll okay. Try to try to make it happen. Dom Dior, thank you so much for being here, bro. What an episode! Sure. I really appreciate this. All that's left to do now is plug away. So, where can the people find you and anyone else you want to shout out or anything okay. else you want to say? At, at sort of in the closing credits, go for it. Oh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at KOBK Dior. You can find me on Instagram at Dior dot Dom. Um, Apple Music, Dom Dior, Spotify, Dom Dior. Um, you can find me in my city. Um, shout out, shout out, shout out Thrill. You know, shout out Kelby K, shout out Bad for Community. Um, shout out, shout out Netch. Shout out Netch, she took those cover up photos, the last the last three that I dropped. Incredible, incredible artist. Um, shout out all the models. I'm talking about Camille, Hanan, um, Shondell, Sam, TT, Shaylin. Um, shout out Z, shout out, shout out Walter the Balter. Um, like just incredible, incredible people to work with. Um, shout out Dap for letting us work there. Oh man, I could keep going. Shout out Mike, shout out Turntable <laughs> Teachers, shout out, um, man, shout out Boston, bro, shout out Texas. Um, damn, shout out Clark D, shout out Clark D. It's my, my brother, my D. brother till the death of me. Um, damn, it's, I know, I know, I'm a, I'm gonna beat myself up for not saying more names, but I can't, I can't get that. You know, you rattled off quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shout out Retro, shout out Sabo. You know, you love, know, we you love know. Retro. Shout out Ray Vino, DJ Ray Vino. Shout out, uh, she actually, she did an incredible job at every every gig she does, but especially at the lot, like for my event, she did an incredible job. Um, shout out EAX Alexander. Um, shout out, I don't know how to spell. It's Weja, Cash Nova. Okay. Um, their whole like, can I show my friend shit? It's so cool. Um, Zen Studio, shout out Ark Zeus. I, I'm telling you, I could really go for hours, bro. I could really go for hours. Shout out Izzy Komai Wave, one of the most incredible human beings ever, an absolute genius when it comes to music. Um, shout out Gib, Rob puts in work. Oh, man. This is it's the just, longest shout out I've ever had. So, <laughs> so, just, bro, I'm really a you fan. You just rattled everybody up. Yo, yo, shout out Vino, shout out Cuz, JR, shout out, shout out, uh, shout out Kiz. Um, shout out, shout out Willow Street for real, for real. Um, I'm gonna end it on there though, cause I could keep going. But I'm really, I'm really fans of these people for real. That's why I can tell. I can why. tell. Oh, That's yeah. a beautiful oh, yeah. thing, oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. When you got your peers, they're your peers, but you're also fans of them too. That's like yeah. the best of both worlds. It's a great support. Well, shout out my mother. Shout out my sister. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, man. Uh, I don't know if I can follow that up, but if you're <laughs> if you're a fan of Dom Dior or any any of the people you just mentioned, uh, you can follow us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram and TikTok. Hit up our website www.turntableteachers.com for all the latest blogs, podcasts, episodes, merch. You guys know the deal. And of course, if you are an artist, podcaster, or content creator, make sure you hit us up at AOA Studios and book your session or service today. Shout out Sammy Rosario. Shout out Double Nine. Shout out Phoenix Down Studios. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm Mike. That's Dom Dior with the Turntable Teachers. And class is officially dismissed.